Luke chapter 10, we'll start there at verse 25. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Real, real famous set of scripture in, in the Bible. Story of Jesus Christ telling the, telling the parable of the good Samaritan. We need to get the context of this. What, we're going to need to get the context to find out what caused Jesus Christ even to tell the story of the good Samaritan. And we'll find that starting in verse 25. And it says here, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him. You know the difference between a lawyer and a trampoline? You take your shoes off before you jump on a trampoline. Okay. A behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to... What shall I do to inherit eternal life? So here's a man, a lawyer comes to him, and he said, what shall I do to get eternal life? So he's a do guy. I want to do something. I've got to do something to get eternal life. Now we know, according to Romans, according to the, to, to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're not under a do anymore. It's been done at the cross of Calvary. You take on Jesus Christ's righteousness is applied to you. Your soul, His blood covers your sins, and you're saved. You don't have to do anything but receive that gift. That's the only do you have to do. It's a done religion. But He's going to Christ trying to, get, trying to find out how you do it. So here's Jesus Christ's answer. He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? So He said, What's written in the Moses and, and Deuteronomy and Exodus and the law, the Old Testament? Christ asked him that. Verse 27, And he, the lawyer, answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. So let me stop here and just say, there's not anybody in this room that can do that. There's nobody in five counties surrounding here who can do that. I want to go ahead and say, there's nobody in the world who can do that verse right there. Except for Jesus Christ. He's the only one. He's the only one. So just get that out of your head like, well, I know how I'm going to get eternal life. I'm going to do those things right there. So what happens is, is this lawyer understands what's about to happen. Because Jesus says, verse 28, and he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. Just do verse 27. All you people that think you, your righteousness, that you're going to stand before God and your righteousness and your holiness, and you're going to stand before God and He's going to judge you for your sins. He's going to weigh out the good and weigh out the bad. And if you've been a really good boy, He's going to let you go into heaven. If you've been a really naughty boy, He's going to send you to hell. That's not what's going to happen. But if you think you're going to stand before God in your righteousness, just do verse 27 and you can get in. You've got to love the Lord of God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy strength, all thy mind. And then thy neighbor is thyself. This lawyer understands this problem. Here's his dilemma. You can't do that. <laughs> so what does he ask? He asks Jesus Christ, verse 29, but he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? See, he's trying to make it a little easier on himself. Right? That's what's happening. He realizes, whoa, you know, I can find a way to love God with all my strength and all my heart and all my mind, which you can't, but you think you can. But his neighbor, okay, well, let me see if I can get by with this one because who is my neighbor? And the Bible says he's doing that to justify himself. In other words, if this guy's my neighbor and this one's not my neighbor, then I don't have to love him as myself because he's not my neighbor. And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho 
This is the story. This is the story of the Good Samaritan. So the way Christ is going to answer him when he asks, who is my neighbor? He's going to show him who his neighbor, who his neighbor is. Brother Collins, do you mind praying over this service, please, brother? This preaching. Thank you. Yes, Lord. Bless him. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, please, Lord, please help us. And Father, just uh, again, we just uh, pray that you'd be with us in this ceremony, Lord. We just know that, uh, Father, you'll uh, you'll bless it, Lord. And uh, we just uh, thank you for all you do for us. Be with everyone that couldn't be here, whether you know all the reasons why, Father, we just pray for them. Father, we ask it all in the precious and holy name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So he's going to say, Christ is going to give him and going to explain to him who... His neighbor is. Now, if you used to ask somebody, just anybody walking down the street said, who's your neighbor? They'll say, well, I got this neighbor on the right of me, and I got this neighbor on the left of me. And you might include the neighbor across the street. You might include your block. I don't know how far out you'd go, but most of us wouldn't go out very far. But Christ is going to show him who his neighbor is. And Jesus, Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem. Jerusalem's a city of peace to Jericho. That's a city of curse. So he goes from Jerusalem, a good place, down to Jericho, and he fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. He got robbed. He's going along, he's minding his own business, and some thieves jumped out, and they beat him and whipped him, and they stripped him down, they took his clothes off. They, when they were beating him up, they wounded him, and then they departed, leaving him half dead. That's what the world does to you. It's exactly what the world would do to you. If you don't know that, you haven't been around the world very long. The world will strip you. It will strip you of your dignity. The world will strip you of your hope. The world will strip you of your faith. And they'll strip you of all shame that you would have. That's what the world's good at doing that. It's done that to me. The world will wound you. The world will wound your heart. The world will wound your emotions, your pride, and your family. The world's out to destroy you. They're out to steal from you. The world's nothing but full of a bunch of thieves, starting at the top there in Washington, D.C., working all the way down. There's all just a bunch of thieves. And they're out to strip you, they're out to wound you, and they'll leave you, and to leave you, they'll leave you half naked, half dead, broke, and needy. Just like they did this Samaritan here. I mean, just like they did this Jew here. That's how they'll leave you. That's what the world's out to get from you. That's what they did to this poor guy. In verse 31, now we're going to see two different people walk by. Actually, three. But we're going to see these first two are going to represent something. And let's read this together in verse 31. And by chance, guys, there's no chance. <laughs> if you think that, uh, uh, I, I've seen it happen so many millions of times, I don't even, I just, I just take it as just what's going to happen. You know, I, I put the sermon together, and I got something in the sermon I was going to say, and here comes Brother Matthew. He doesn't have any idea what I'm going to preach, has no idea. He picks Jesus paid it all. Well, I'm about to say something about that after a while, and I thought, man, that, that's just, that's, in, in my mind, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, that's a coincidence. And the Holy Spirit, pow, 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 you know, yeah, it's coincidence, dummy. There's no chance. The Lord's working. 
The Lord's working in this church. He's working in the preaching. He's working in your lives. He's working in your lives when you go home. He's working in your job at, at work. Guys, if you'll open your eyes and see, you'll notice the Lord working all through your life. So when you get down on your knees and you pray and talk to the Lord, the first thing that should come out of your mouth is, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Lord. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way, the way that guy was wounded, laying there. He's laying in the street. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Ouch. He's walking along. This priest walked along. There's that guy laying there, a Jew, a fellow Jew, a brother, a Jew. A Jew's laying there, and that Jew's laying there, and he's stripped, and he's beat up, and he's wounded, and he's laying there. Maybe he's knocked out, but he sees him, and he says, okay, and he just walks over on the other side and keeps on walking. That priest represents the law. That priest represents the law, the religion of law. And what is the religion of law? The religion of law says you need to do these rules, you need to keep these rules, you need to keep these laws, you need to do these laws, you need to do this and you need to do that. So that priest comes along and that priest sees that guy laying there. What does that priest say in his mind? Well, the Bible doesn't record it, but you kind of have an idea. What must have went through his mind is simply this. That guy deserves everything he gets. Get yourself up, boy. Pick yourself up. Do it yourself. You're getting what you deserve. He passed by on the other side. That's what he deserves. That's what happens when you disobey God. Huh? Yeah? yeah. 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 Man, Christians are the worst. Yeah. Do you see what happened to them? Oh, yeah, I saw what happened to them. I wonder what they did. That God got mad at them and sent them this, that, and another. Man, I hear, it all, I hear it all the time from Christians. Christ got it. Who did the sin? Did he do the sin that he was born this way? Or did his parents do some kind of sin? Christ said, neither one of them. That God might get the glory was this man born this way. But see, Christians, we're like this priest. This law. We see somebody down and out. We see somebody who needs some help. We, need, we see somebody needs a helping hand. And what do we say? Well, he, he's getting what he deserves. He should have kept his job. He should have not been drinking. He should have not been going down to Jericho. He should, have been, he should have stayed in Jerusalem and not been going down to Jericho. That's what he get. That's what the law does. The law, brothers and sisters, can show no mercy or grace. And we forget that. That's why when people, uh, we, got, we got loved ones that get into these religions of law, well, you have to do this and do that and keep doing this and keep doing that. And they have to keep these laws and keep doing this stuff. They get into this and they're miserable. And they wonder why we can have so much joy and happiness. It's because we're not under a law. We know grace and we know mercy. And we know what it's like to stumble and to fall and to have Jesus Christ there to help lift us up. But when you're under a religion of law, that's what it's going to do to you. It's going to pass by on the other side. It's not even going to stop and check on you. Look at verse 32. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Oh, man. This poor guy, this poor Jew's laying there, beat up, stripped, half naked, half dead, laying there. Here comes a Levite. Now that Levite, that Levite's going to represent ceremony, religious ceremony. He's going to represent religious ceremony. And when he comes by, 
he sees a guy laying there and he's beat up and he's half naked and he needs some help. So he goes over and he looks at him. He goes, oh, that's a shame. And then goes back over on the other side. Curiosity. Curiosity. Oh, I need some help. Well, how much help do you need? What's happened to you? Look, won't you tell me exactly? Oh, really? Yeah, that's what, oh, how'd you get in this kind of shape? Oh, yeah, tell me all the details. Tell me more and more and more. Tell me everything you know. What happened to you? Oh, really? Who did that to you? Oh, really? That's, that's, the, that's the religion of ceremony. Oh, it'll appear like it's going to help you. Amen. It'll appear it's going to come by. It came. Look, he came and he looked on him. The guy's laying there. He's half dead. He's wounded. He's stripped. And he sees the guy come by and he looks down on him and he's thinking, finally somebody's going to help me. No help. Looks down at him and says, Woo, wow, you're in bad shape. Then goes over on the other side. That's a religion of ceremony. That's a curiosity. They want to know your problems. They want to know everything you, you have going on wrong with your life. But they really give you no, they give you no real answer to your problems. And there's religions like that by the dozen out there. Oh, they'll tell you, here's your problem. Here's what's going on with you. Now tell me what's going on. You, you do this. Guys, I can't, I can't begin to tell you how many religions and false denominations are just like that. And they appear like they're going to help you. But there's no help at all. They just come and look at you. They came and looked on him and then passed by on the other side. He comes by and he comes by and he says, man, you look in bad shape. <laughs> what did James say about a brother coming by and saying, hey, I need, I need to borrow some bread? What did he say about that? Comes by, I said, hey, I had these people come, I need to borrow some bread. And what does James say? That, that guy says, well, I'll be praying for you. <laughs> and closes the door. Shouldn't he have said, hey, let me give you some bread, and here, take this bread, and you can use that bread. Now, which one was a friend to him? How many times have we done that as Christians? We see somebody who's hurt, we see somebody who's stripped, we see somebody who's wounded, we see somebody who needs some help, and they come into our lives. God, maybe, God, not by chance, God brings them into our life. We cross their path, we can see they need some help, and we say, I'll be praying for you. My, the thing I hate worse than anything going on in the world today is, you'll be in my thoughts. I don't need your thoughts, I need your money. Amen. I can't pay this bill. I need some help. What do your thoughts do for me? Nothing. If, if Brother Marwitz thinks about me this week, well, praise the Lord. What does that do for me? Not a stinking thing. Just wasting his time. If he's thinking about me, he's wasting his time. The Bible calls that vain thoughts, brother. But if Marwitz says, Dear Heavenly Father, I just bless Keegan today. I hope he has a good day. Lord, I hope you bless him. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. If that brother says that, that prayer, hey, now you got God the Father involved. That's somebody who can do something. But brothers and sisters, when we have somebody come into our lives, there's more you can do than just pray. Christians have gotten into this. this that's the easiest thing a person can do is pray. That's why when you see that, what was that, 1 Chronicles seven fourteen. You've seen that verse. They had the, they had the, you know, pray for this nation. Pray for this nation. 1 Chronicles 7, 14. Pray for this nation. Is it 2 Chronicles or 1 Chronicles 7? Do y'all know which one I'm talking about? I will look it up. 
Because I'm going to read it, because y'all, y'all, y'all need to hear this. Second seven, right? Yeah. Second Chronicles 7, 14. I'm going to read this to you. Because you'll see these signs all over town. I've seen them all over Brownwood. They'll, they'll say these signs and they'll say, we need to pray for America. Second Chronicles 7, 14. Okay, let's see what that verse says. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear them hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That's a beautiful verse. But prayer is only one part of that recipe. And it happens to be the easiest. Because he says here, if you'll humble yourselves, I don't see a lot of humbleness going on. Pray, okay, there's one part of it. Pray, that's the easiest one. Seek my face. This church is not full. I don't see a whole lot of that going on in America. And turn from their wicked ways. Oh, that's a deal breaker right there. (laughs) Turn from my wicked ways? How about I just pray? That's the easiest part of the recipe. Nobody wants to make the whole recipe. Then will he turn. Then will I hear from heaven. Guys, sometimes we have people come into our lives. They've had, they're down and out. You say, no fault of their own. Maybe they've had a bad break. Are we supposed to help them? Amen. There's people that come into our lives that it's all their fault, every bit of it. Did Jesus Christ say, don't help them? I don't read that in my Bible, unfortunately. See, if I was a Bible corrector like a lot of these morons that come in here and change the Bible, that's where I'd start changing it. You don't have to help them if they did it to themselves. You, can, you don't have to forgive them if, they, if you don't like them. If they, you know, if they, you know, that's how I'd change this stuff up. There's no stipulations on it, brothers. I hate to tell you this. This guy probably shouldn't have been going down to Jericho. It probably is his fault, but you should help him anyway. A religion, a religious ceremony, a religion of ceremony can't do that. It's all show. You go into the church and there's lights and there's, they got the big speakers and they got the cathedral and they're, oh, they got all the, the beautiful paintings and the tapestries and they got the, they got the, I've heard of churches there, they've got smoke on stage. Can you imagine that? Hey, Kathy Kay, turn on the smoke. And I just come out like a rock star. You know, have a little hood on and everything. Lights, you know, this drop down a disco ball. Everybody get to dancing. They put on the show, but there's no real help. He don't give any help. He came and looked on him. And I wonder if people that are in this kind of religion are there just to see the show. In other words, they're there out of curiosity's sake. They like to see people's problems. They like to see people. In, there's a you know how I, I'm, I'm weird and a sick individual. So I like to, I like to, the documentaries about serial killers and people who do weird stuff. I like to watch this. I'm like, what makes people do the things they do? Well, they were talking about this one guy. He was wicked, wicked, wicked. He was, he was a helper on the suicide hotline. This is a guy that's a murderer. <laughs> He's answering the phone on the suicide hotline. Like, can I help you? I'm thinking there's one or two things going on there. Number one, it's another way for him to murder people to see answers phone. Oh, you want to commit suicide? Do it, do it, do it. You know? <laughs> or number two, curiosity. What kind of problems brought you to do this? Because he surely doesn't love anybody. He doesn't have any heart for me. He's killing people by the tens. Why would he be on a suicide hotline? Curiosity. I'm here to say there's a lot of preachers, there's a lot of churches there, there's a lot of religions there that they're all set up just so they can be a social gathering so they can make sure they know what's going on in other people's lives. 
I don't want you to know what's going on in my life. I don't. Because y'all would think less of me. Amen. I want to be able to go home and live my life. It's between me and the Lord Jesus Christ. And what you do is between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Maybe I need to be more open. I'm probably more open than I should be. Some of the things I say. That's a religion of, uh, a religion of ceremony. Verse 33. But a certain Samaritan. Who's that? That Samaritan. You've got to really grab a hold of this. There, you, can't, you can think of some of the worst words you hear, racial words you hear used in the American English language. That's what they would call the Samaritans. They were dogs. They hated the Samaritans. They could not stand the Samaritans. They were half Jew, half Gentile. They were dogs. They were every kind of bad name you can think of it. That's what a Jew would call them. That's why when Jesus Christ has a Jew asking him, who's my neighbor? And Jesus Christ said, well, this one Jew came by. He was a priest. This one Levite came by. He's a Jew. Jewish priest, the Jewish Levi, they came by. And then this Samaritan comes by, this sorry, no good dog of a Samaritan comes by. And what does he do? He, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him. Praise the Lord. See, in this story... I've shown you that priest kind of represents the law, that Levite kind of represents religion of ceremony, ceremonious religion. And I'm here to show you that Samaritan represents our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's a beautiful thing, guys. Because <laughs> it says there where he was. He came where he was. And then it says, verse 34, and went to him. See, Jesus Christ comes to where you're at this morning. He comes to where you're at. If you're listening to my voice, you might not be in this church. You might be listening to my voice coming through. We have podcasts. We have Facebook. We have YouTube. You might be listening to my voice in a million different ways. But wherever you're listening to my voice, Jesus Christ will come to you right there. Amen. He come, will come to you. And that's how the Samaritan does. He's seen him and he came to where he was. When he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him. Christ will come to right where you're at. In the sin that you're in. And you're half-naked, half-wounded, uh, stripped-down state, full of sin and iniquity. That's where Christ will meet you. That's where He met me. Yes. He didn't meet King and Hall as a good, outstanding citizen. I was rotten. I was no good. I was a sorry sinner. I was doomed and damned to go to hell. And Christ came by one day. Yeah. And I just happened to be in a church. And He came by and I said... I want Jesus Christ. And he came by and it says right there, he had compassion on him. That's what we need more of in the church today is compassion. Like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ had on us as sinners. Compassion. Compassion. Jesus Christ all through scriptures is shown to have compassion. I'm going to just sit back for a couple of minutes. Just sit back and relax. I'm going to read these to you. I just want to read these to you so you'll know what kind of Savior that you're under. What kind of Savior that saves you. What kind of Savior, if you're not saved, can save you. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, this is talking about Christ, he was moved with compassion on them. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He has compassion on you because you're like a sheep with no shepherd. He wants to be your shepherd. And He said, I'm the good shepherd. He's not a bad shepherd. He's not an idle shepherd. He's the good shepherd. Yeah. 
He wants to be that for you. In Matthew chapter 14, I'll read another one of these to you. Matthew 14, 14. Y'all just sit back and listen to these for a couple of minutes. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick. Maybe you're sick, maybe you're stripped, maybe you're downbeaten, maybe you're half dead, maybe you don't know what's going on in your life, you don't know what's wrong with your life, Jesus Christ has compassion on you. And He's moved with compassion about your life. I'm not talking, listen to me. If you listen to anything, listen to what I'm saying right now. I'm not talking in a general sense about Jesus Christ. I'm not talking like in a general sense Jesus Christ loves people and Jesus Christ has compassion on people. I'm not talking in a general sense. I'm talking about you. Each one of you, He loves you. He has compassion on you. And if you're a sinner, He has double compassion on you. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I read my Bible. And Jesus Christ didn't come to save, the, to save the, those that are already saved. He came to save the lost. To seek and to save the lost. He came to bring sinners to repentance. In Luke chapter 7, I'm going to read one more to you. This lady's coming out of town. She's got her only son dead in front of her. Her only son's dead in front of her. And she walks out and everybody's crying. Everybody's weeping. Jesus Christ sees this in Luke chapter 7. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. What? He's dead, Lord. He's dead. And he came and touched the bier where they were holding the dead body on. And they, they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up, began to speak, and delivered, he delivered him to his mother. You got some loved ones that have passed on? Jesus Christ says, Weep not. I got them up in heaven. And I'm going to give them to you again one day. See, that's the great hope we have in Jesus Christ. Some of our loved ones, some people we dearly love in this church, some family members have passed away, and we think, well, you cry about it, and you, you get kind of upset about it. You're like, well, you know, but in Jesus Christ, one day, he says, weep not. Here he is. Here's your son that you lost. Here's your mother that you lost. Here's your grandmother, your granddad, your child. Here, here, here they are. Nobody else can offer that but Jesus Christ. If you're in here this morning, you're brokenhearted, you're stripped, you're wounded, Jesus Christ loves you. He has compassion on you. And He showed it all through the Scriptures. All through the Scriptures. Verse 34, Jesus Christ went to Him, the Samaritan went to Him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Now that, brothers and sisters, is what everybody in this room needs to be doing. See, we don't ever want to be... See verse 33? Go back and read it with me. But a certain, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed... I can't stress to you enough, brothers and sisters, because I'm this way. I'm this way, that's why I'm stressing it so hard. We're on a journey. We're on a pilgrimage. We should never be so busy on our journey, on our pilgrimage, that we can't stop and help somebody. Amen. Amen. Do you want to be a priest that can't stop and just says, you know what, I'm going the other way. I don't got time for this. 
Or you got the, young, you got the man, the Levite that comes by, sees him, and he comes over and looks at him and doesn't help him. Well, I would help you, but I got some stuff I need to go do. There's nothing that should stop us from helping somebody who needs some help. Nothing. I can't think of nothing. Is there, something, is there anything that maybe we can make a phone call to get somebody in some help? There's times where I've rolled by, and this is, the, this is God honest, God knows my heart. I've rolled by, and I see somebody with the, their, the hood up, smoke's coming out of the hood and everything, and I drive by, and I don't even stop. You say, why not? Because I can't fix nothing. I, honestly, I think in my mind, I can't help them. I couldn't even help them. I wouldn't even, I'd have a hard time changing the battery. I'm that dumb. So I'm like, well, I can't help them. And I, <laughs> I've justified myself, see. Yeah. You get down the road and uh, you ever experience this? Turn around. Yeah. Who said that? Turn around. Yeah. Oh, Lord. I'm trying to get home. The Dallas Cowboys game's about to start. Turn around. My poor wife, I mean, we'll be driving by. All of a sudden, <laughs> throw her through the windshield. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, I got to go back over here. I got to give that person a track, or I got to give this. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'd rather be this Samaritan than be those other two. You know why? Because God likes that. We talked about that in Sunday school. God likes that. And he went to him, and listen, this is what the Lord Jesus Christ will do for you. He bound up his wound. He'll heal your wounds. He'll pour pouring in oil. He'll give you the Holy Spirit. This is verse 34. And wine, that wine represents the blood of Jesus Christ. He'll cover you in his own blood. It says there the Samaritan, set him on his own beast. Jesus Christ provides the means through the cross. Set him on his own beast and brought him to an end. Jesus Christ provides the way. I'm going to heaven. How do you get to heaven? I don't know how you get to heaven, but Jesus Christ does. How do you know he does? Because he said he's the way. Amen. That's what this guy did for this guy. This, this Jew was helpless. He couldn't do anything for himself. And this man, this Samaritan, who represents Jesus Christ to us, set him on his own beast. He provides the means. Brought him to the end. He provides the way and took care of him. <laughs> Praise God. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, casting all our care on Him, for He cares for you. Christ cares. He's going to take care of you. And that's what the Word of God says. And on the morrow when He departed, He took out two pence and He gave them to the host and said unto Him, that host, guys, that host is a type of the Holy Spirit. That the host there is a type of the Holy Spirit. Because what does he say to the Holy Spirit? What does he say to the host? He says, said unto him, take care of him. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. That's the Holy Spirit giving us says, take care of him. And when I come back, whatever more I, he, he, I owe you, I'll pay it. Thanks to Brother Matthew, we sang the song, Jesus paid it all. He did pay it all, Amen. And he keeps paying it. <laughs> that's, that's why he's so good. 
Jesus didn't just pay for all my sins I committed up until I got saved. He didn't just say, okay, you, I, I paid for all your sins up until you got saved. Now, from here on out, if you do anything else wrong, Keegan, if you sin in any way, I'm casting you out. You're going to fall from grace. You're going to, that's not our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, here, take care of him. And when I come back, I'll pay whatever more I owe. Jesus paid it all, and he's going to keep on paying it. That's how precious that blood is to a Christian. How precious that cross is to a Christian. Where that blood was shed. He provides the means. He provides the way. And he tells the host, hey, take care of him. Whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Praise God. Christ has a question for you this morning. Jesus, which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Which one of these three would you want taking care of you? Would you want a, reli- a, re- a religion of law that you have to, that'll, that'll condemn you and anytime you make a mistake will, will condemn you and throw you out and not do anything for you? Or do you want a religion of, of ceremony that you're going to have a big show, everything's going to look like? They're going to, they're going to look like and give you the appearance that they care and they can do something to help you, but they have no means to help you. Or do you want the man Jesus Christ? Who's going to do all that I just described to you with compassion? The, neighbor, the, the, the lawyer said, and he said, He that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Yeah. Ooh, 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 ooh. Who's my neighbor? Everyone. Doesn't that stink? That's Jesus Christ. Why does Jesus Christ expect so much out of us? Because he gives us so much. Why does he expect us to forgive? Because we forgive. We're forgiven by him for so much. Why does Christ expect us to show mercy and grace? Because he has to give us so much mercy and grace. You see how wicked this can be when you're a Christian and you're living with all that grace and mercy and compassion Jesus Christ has given us. And you turn around and you won't give none back to anybody else. It's scary. It's scary to think, what does the Lord think about me? Is the Lord happy with me when I could be so much more for him? Guys, that Samaritan didn't have to stop, did he? You've you got to understand what I said. That Samaritan is a hated-by-the-Jews dog. He stops to help the guy that hates him. That Jew hates him. That Jew hates him. Growing up in the South, and I've heard, uh, and I, of course, I, I, can't, I don't know what it's like in any other parts of the country, the equivalent of this is this, those redneck hillbillies that they can't, they, they, they can't stand black people. You hear them say this about black people, and then when they fall on dead times, then a black guy comes by to help them. <laughs> or they go into the hospital, and then the doctor's black. <laughs> Man, God has a sense of humor. God has a sense of humor. Yeah, he'll humble you. If you don't humble yourself, he'll humble you. Who's your neighbor? Everybody you see is your neighbor. And thank God, because Jesus Christ is saying, I'm not going to help that Gentile dog. He's a dog. Keegan is a dog. I'm not helping him. That's not Christ. He said, that Gentile dog needs a Savior just like this Jew needs a Savior. Come here, Keegan. I'm going to save you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your salvation. Lord, I thank you for looking on this old Gentile dog, Father, and loving me having compassion on me, Lord. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came to where I was. 
I didn't have to grow through the crowd to get to you, Lord. You came to me. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for that. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace and mercy you give us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to see these opportunities in our life, Lord God, to be, a, to be a witness for you, Lord God, to show your love and your grace and your mercy and your compassion on somebody else, Lord God. And when we do something, what we would call nice or out of the way, Lord God, we can tell them, hey, don't thank me, it's Jesus Christ in me. Lord, I thank you for living in us. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that's our host that comforts us, Lord. And I thank you, Father, above all else, Lord, for heaven and waiting for us up in heaven, Lord God. I can't wait to get up there and meet my family, Lord God. It's going to be a great reunion. And Lord, if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and we give an invitation, Lord, I pray they'll get right with you, Lord, and receive you as the Lord and Savior. Come on down the aisle, wherever they're at, Lord God, get on their knees and ask you to save them. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray. Amen. Let's have a quick invitation, brother. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ 
because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.